My name is Thomas. I am the director of students here at uh, Nova Community Church, and I uh, get the rare opportunity to, uh, to preach, and uh, I love it. And uh, this, this week, we're still in our series called Seven, where we're talking about the seven deadly sins and their antitheses. <laughs> That's kind of a word. <laughs> uh, today, I'm going to be talking to you about wrath. Uh, I'm really glad that I don't have to do lust. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, so uh, I'm going to be talking to you today about wrath, and we're going to be looking at some scripture, so get your Bible ready. We'll be jumping in there in just a moment. Uh, you know, recently in the world, and it seems like more and more frequently, uh, I'm hearing stories around the world of different tragedies that are stirring up anger. Uh, we have what's going on in Charlottesville, Virginia, uh, protests and violence and the hate that is being spewed there. Uh, you've seen news coverage or uh, maybe engaged with something on Facebook about that, that very thing that's going on there. And there are attacks around the globe, such as what's going on in uh, Barcelona, uh, where 13 people died, reports are saying, uh, where four men meticulously planned some terror attacks. And it just seems like we're seeing more and more of this. And we're feeling anger uh, in some instances. And we're wondering, should I be feeling that? And how should I be responding to these kinds of things? Um, and, you know, anger, it can be big things like that. Uh, it could be little things, too. Uh, you know, I just drove the bunch of juniors up to the camp that they had on Friday. And <laughs> I'm, I wasn't ever angry at the kids. But driving, <laughs> I mean, like, maybe, but I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> uh, but driving back, like, it was already a long drive. And I'm trying to get home. I want to see my wife, be able to have dinner with her, and I get stuck in like dead stopped traffic because there was an accident. And then it happens again. And so it made an already long drive like even longer. And so I'm, I'm feeling angry in that too. And I think we all have little, little things of anger that kind of pop up in our lives. Uh, when I was at Hume Lake with the high school students, it's a Christian camp, there's like a thousand high school students, plus junior hires, plus elementary on top of that, there's a lot of children. And uh, we, uh, me and two of the other leaders, we were walking into uh, junior high land, as we call it, and <laughs> for the first time, and like right as we're taking like a step in, I hear a little voice go, you bleepity bleep. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, dude, you can't say that. He was just like this little sixth grader, like must be just going into sixth grade, yelling at his friend uh, and cursing at him. And I was like, you can't do that. And right when I do that, I'm looking at him and he breaks down in tears. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> I was like, I just wanted to yell at you and tell you to go, but now you're crying. So I'm like, oh, buddy, what's going on? <laughs> you know, he had an angry outburst, but there was something behind it. Uh, and so that's what we're talking about today. We're, we're talking about wrath. Um, so if you would, if you have your Bible, open up to 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 5. Uh, we're kind of picking up, kind of in the middle of a story, uh, it's right after the very famous story of David and Goliath. And so if you know the story of David and Goliath, David, uh, he's just a young man, maybe even almost a child at this point, and he goes in and he goes up against a giant, a Philistine, who's defying the armies of the Lord, 
and takes them out with one sling of a slingshot. And it's, it's a crazy thing. You know, David and Goliath, little guy versus big guy. It was crazy. The, the Lord provided in miraculous ways. And because of this, King Saul, who's actually the king of Israel at the time, uh, you know, he was doing a very poor job. Uh, and we're seeing David kind of step up where Saul is failing. And that's where we're picking up in the story. Saul actually brings David on and is saying, hey, you need to lead some of these armies and battles and things like that. Uh, and that's where we pick up in verse 5. So 1 Samuel 18, verse 5 says, Whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, Goliath, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs, with timbrels and lyres. And as they danced, they sang, Saul has slain thousands, and David his tens of thousands. So Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul, and he was prophesying in his house while David was playing the lyre, as he usually did. And Saul had a spear in his hand, and he hurled it, saying to himself, I will pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. That's where we'll end our text. So he was really angry. I have never thrown a spear at someone trying to kill them. This guy was really angry. Um, and I picked this text talking about King Saul because I knew I was going to be preaching about wrath. And then we went to Hume Lake, and what we studied was the life of King Saul. Uh, king Saul is the story of a fallen king who disobeys and abandons God. His life is a tragedy. And we see David being the, kind of the opposite of what Saul is supposed to be. And in this, in this story, we see him angry. And we see his selfish jealousy. He sees David getting all this acclaim. People are praising David. Oh, David is so great. Look what he's done. And King Saul is getting really nothing. King Saul wanted glory for his name. And so with Saul's anger, this is a bad kind of anger, as you could tell from the story. Uh, and in this, his anger controls him. He is quick to anger. And he ends up after this, spending years trying to chase down and kill David. Like, that's how mad he was. He was absolutely consumed with his anger. So the first point that we're drawing out of this biblical text is don't let your anger control you. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about anger and uh, bringing it all to bear on stories like this. Don't let your anger control you. When our anger controls us, it can lead to sin. It's all sinned. And we all have moments of anger. We can all, we all relate to that. I don't know if we throw in any spears, but we all have our own moments of anger. And when I, was, when I was thinking about my moments of anger, they are incredibly, incredibly embarrassing to me. Uh, when I think about my own anger, 
And when you, when you think about em embarrassing stories, you know, I've been, I've been in so many like, Christian small groups that I've heard all of the icebreakers in the world, and one of them is, hey, you share an embarrassing story. <laughs> and so I have one. <laughs> uh, and it's like not an anger one. Like, I just have a stock one, and it's really dumb. I don't even know why I'm telling you this. I, <laughs> I was a kid, and I was at Costco, and I had a Slurpee, and I was blowing air into it, and I was watching it rise and fall air, rise and fall, and apparently it got so much air pressure in it that it literally exploded. Like half of the Slurpee flew out of the cup right in the entrance of it, and so that was my embarrassing story. Um, but that, that's an embarrassing story that is like easy to share. When I'm thinking about moments of anger that I could share, I, I don't want to share any. <laughs> and may, maybe when you guys are thinking about your, your own anger, it's, it's embarrassing to see yourself out-of-control anger and reacting in ways that hurt other people. I'm ashamed of when I get angry and act that way. Anger can lead to bursts of sinful behavior. Uh, you might yell, call names like that little middle schooler did, act violently like Saul did. But there's also a more subtle bitterness that can creep into our lives with anger. Uh, it can turn into some kind of long-term spite or contempt. Uh, it can lead to hurtful gossip. And all, all of our anger, it, it provokes great emotion in us. You know, when, when we've been wronged or someone that we love has been wronged, we want vengeance. But the Bible is so clear in its admonitions to not seek out revenge. Uh, Jesus' own words, he says it in the New Testament. You know, he says, if someone strikes you, turn the other cheek. If someone steals from you, give to them more. Uh, and his own actions, you know, he's given the death penalty for something he, he didn't do. and he, he didn't act out against it. And we're meant to imitate Jesus. How do we not repay when we are unjustly acted upon? You know, we're, we're supposed to remain patient. Patience is kind of the opposite of wrath. Um, but it can, it can be hard to remain patient. Uh, in the college group, we're actually looking through the book of Revelation. And in the book of Revelation, you see again and again two big theological truths uh, that are written to Christians telling them to stay patient. Because the, the book of Revelation was written to some Christians who, who were being killed for their faith and heavily persecuted for their faith. And they're saying, this, this, is un, this isn't right, this is unjust. We want vengeance. The book of Revelation gives two big theological truths. To, to, all right, it says, remain patient, and these are why. One, the Lord will justly repay. The Lord will justly repay. He will bring vengeance. It is not your place to do it, Christian. The Lord will repay. And then the second big truth that we see in Revelation is that you will get a reward greater than anything in this life. The Lord will repay, and you will get a reward. Therefore, be patient and hold fast. Do not let your anger lead you to wrath. Uh, there's a, a movie called uh, End of the Spear, um, some of you may be familiar with it. It's, a, it's a, based on a true story of uh, Jim Elliott and a group of missionary men who went down to an unreached people group in Ecuador uh, called the Waudani people. I think I'm saying that right. And they, those people had never been contacted by an outside group, and so they've never heard the gospel. They've never seen anyone other than their tribe. 
And so they, they plan, how are we going to do this and bring the gospel to them? We want to we do it well. But they go down, and these were very violent people. And in their initial meeting, these men, these missionaries, Jim Elliott and his brothers in Christ, were, were killed by these people. Um, and it's, it's a horrible, tragic story. Uh, he, they left behind their wives and children, and those wives and children had every right to want revenge on these people. They unjustly killed our husbands who were just trying to do something good for them. Um, but they let the big theological truth of the gospel say, we are going to reach out to these people and we're going to work harder. And so they ended up going to those people, reaching them, loving them, sharing the gospel with them, and now that, that whole tribe knows Jesus because of them. Because they were able to say, we will be patient, and there's something bigger going on that God is doing. We do not need to take revenge here. And so Saul's unrighteous anger, it controlled him, and it led him to sin. But now we're going we're gonna to take a, take a step back in the story, and we're actually going to look at David's anger. And you, you may not see this right away, um, but flip back one chapter. Go to chapter 17, 1 Samuel 17. And so in this... We've only briefly met David before this. And David is actually, he's, he's a civilian. He's, he's a boy. He's not a part of the army, but he's going to visit his brothers who are in the army. And they're encamped. Israel's army and the Philistine army across from each other. And they're ready to wage war. And the Philistines have sent out a champion, a big Goliath, uh, this is his name, uh, Philistine. Uh, and he's, he's huge. And he's, he's a champion. And all of Israel is afraid of them, of him. They, they don't want to battle him. And th this would be the moment where King Saul, we're already seeing, is failing in his role as king. He, he should be the one to, to lead the charge and take care of this problem. But Saul has abdicated responsibility. And David walks into the camp, and he's hearing about these things that are going on. And the, the Philistine Goliath is just down in the valley, and he's just shouting insults at God and Israel. And David doesn't stand for it. And in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 26, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And then some things go down. He talks to King Saul. He's like, I'm going to do this. And then he goes down to battle the Philistines. Skip down to verse 45. Verse 40, 45 says, David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. So we see David here, and it doesn't say that he was angry, but when you're saying those kinds of words, you're angry. <laughs> if you're going to be killing a man, as he will be doing in a second, you're going to have anger. 
And why is he angry? He is angry because this Philistine man has disgraced his God and Israel and stands against them. His anger is a righteous anger. It's not for his own glory. It is for the Lord's. And so, you know, I don't want us to come off with the the sermon on wrath and everything that the Bible has to say on wrath and just get one impression to say, I'm a Christian, and so I should not be angry. Uh, To say, I'm a Christian, I should not be angry, is stoicism. Uh, It's not not Christianity. Uh, The Bible does say in many places to get rid of anger, to not be angry. Um, And I think we know that, and we know it well. But it also says, in your anger, do not sin. They can, they can be separated. They can be exclusive. Anger does not equal sin. God doesn't try to strip us of our emotion, of our humanity. He created us to have these emotions. He created us to have anger. And we see God, who cannot sin, be angry. And we have seen Jesus be angry. A very famous instance of this is him turning over tables in the temple, the money changers who are dishonoring the name of God. Just like David is doing here. The glory of God is at stake. Anger should be had. And a a big truth that that I want us to, to know about anger is the amount that you are angry is directly proportional to how much you love something. Directly proportional to how much you love something. When you are, you are angry when that which you love is threatened. The glory of God was threatened. David was angry. The glory of God was angry. <laughs> the glory of God was threatened. Jesus was angry. Your anger compels you to defend that which you love. And if you never feel anger, it means that you love nothing. David loved God's glory. Jesus loved his Father's glory. And God, when he gets angry, why? Because he loves all that is good, and he loves us. That is why God absolutely hates sin. And it is why we should hate sin, because sin tears us apart. Violence, words that are so slanderous, everything that you associate with anger and sin, God God hates what tears people apart. And we should hate sin. We should hate injustice and hate racism and hate violence. You know, when, when we look at what's going on in Charlottesville and these issues of racism and white supremacy, that is directly against the word of God who loves every people group and nation. Directly against it. And we should hate it. We need to hate what God hates. That's your next blank there. Hate what God ha- hates. But we have to ask, where is our anger coming from? Because there, there is good anger, there is righteous anger, and there is bad anger. There is unrighteous anger. 
You know, we have to ask, are you angry about what God is angry about? Is your anger coming from sin, like Saul, who wanted the glory for himself? We have to assess ourselves. And so what, what do we do? We, we have to be aware of our anger. We have to be aware of our anger. And all the little things and all the big things, we have to be aware of it. And it comes back to the, the truth I said earlier. When you are angry when that which you love is threatened. And so when you're angry, you have to, you have to assess your own heart. You have to assess what you love. What, what, am I, what am I mad about? What is it that I love that is being threatened? Is it my time? Is it my respect, my, my authority? Is it justice? Is it, is it God's name? What do you love? What is being attacked when you're angry? And how can you shift it to be what God loves? We need to be aware of how our anger is being directed to. Because anger really riles us up. This is where anger is so dangerous and why the Bible speaks against it the way it does and say, says, put, put away anger because anger is so dangerous and we have to use it very, very carefully. Anger riles us up because it, it, it prepares us to defend what we're lo- we love with all of our being. You know when you get angry, you, you feel it. But getting caught up in the emotion can lead to very, very poor decision-making. It can lead you to throwing a spear at a dude. <laughs> You don't think straight when you're angry. Let your emotions prompt you to act. Let your anger prompt you to act. But you have to balance that with patience so that it can be directed well. Which brings us back to those big two theological truths. We have patience because God is a just judge. He will take care of it. And our reward, ultimately, in the end, in heaven with God forever, is greater than anything in this life. They're, they're big theological truths. They're great foundations for patience. Like, all right, I get it. Like, God's going to take care of it. Uh, but I really want it to happen now. Uh, but the more we have that at the root of our being, the more we can be patient in our anger. But the emotion is still going to be there. So what else can we do? We have to be able to talk it out. Talk it out with someone else, some Christian brother or sister that you know and love, and you can be like, I need to talk about anger. I'm so angry at this person. (laughs) You've done it before. I know you've done it. (laughs) Talk it out with someone. You don't want to let that bubble up inside of you and seethe out. That's where anger gets so dangerous. Uh, And, you know, the church is a great place to make that happen. We, we have small groups that meet on a weekly basis, you and a group of uh, people, and you can be like, guys, I was so angry this week. <laughs> and you can talk about it and figure it out and process it and go, am I, am I right in my anger? Where is my heart? What do I love? What am I trying to defend here? Talk it out with another Christian brother or sister. Small groups, they're, they're, we're going to have sign-ups for them again soon. The fall quarter is going to start. Look for that. Be in a small group. It is a great place to talk this kind of thing out. And then the third thing, we need to make it right. We need to make it right. When we are angry, oftentimes it leads us into an uncontrolled emotional outburst. I've done it. You've done it. 
Uh, it's not great. Uh, we need to reconcile relationships. In, in Matthew 5, Jesus is uh, he's, he's teaching and he's saying, you know, don't offer your sacrifice before God when you have something against your, your brother. Go and make right and then come back and offer your sacrifice before God. You know, it, it is hard for me to sit and sing worship songs knowing that I've got beef with someone else maybe sitting the row down from me. You've got to get it right with whoever it may be, family, friends, children, brothers or sisters. We have to make these things right. And it's, it's one thing I, I continually am trying to teach my students how to do is to approach conflict and to talk about these things and to work them out, to just come before the other person and say, I am so sorry that I acted that way. And just talking about how you feel and working it out. It does so much good in your relationships. And the last thing that's just going to squelch your anger, because, you know, ang anger, it can be overwhelming. Uh, but the more of a foundation that we have of grace, the better, the better we're going to be able to deal with our anger. The more full we are with what Jesus has done for us. Jesus, who died, an innocent man, in our place, taking the punishment for our sin, we don't spend an eternity in hell because of what Jesus did. We, as Christians, should be absolutely full of that grace, and that should pour out and leak out into every relationship that we have. Grace, knowing what Jesus did for us and letting that pour out and flow onto other people to cover our anger and our bitterness and the little things and the big things.